0: The Spartan Mind Strength Podcast, the podcast for mental grit and resilience. Hosted by V. Binga and Tim Ganley.
1: Hello, this is Tim.
2: And this is V. And we welcome you to another episode of the Spartan Mind Strength Podcast.
1: And this is the fourth episode of What is Yin Yoga? Versus what is restorative yoga? This will be the finale.
2: The grand finale. (laughs) Stay tuned.
1: And we're back and we're finishing up with the power or the yin yoga versus restorative yoga. And last week we talked, uh, we finished with uh, basically. What? Was the,
2: that? It was about tension and compression. Yes. And we talked uh, in tension in terms of muscles due to sitting or working out, and uh, the compression was uh, when it comes to your bones.
1: Now, is there anything else that you want to touch on before yes. we move on to the next, yes. which is proportion? Yes. Go yeah, ahead.
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs>
1: so this we're still back into compression. Okay. So
2: the compression was about uh, has to do with bone to bone, right? Uh, like uh, when you are extending your elbow or your knee, or when you are uh, doing your triangle pose, in uh, uh, your femur compresses against your acetabulum in the hip, <laughs> in the hip it's socket.
1: Acetabulum.
2: So it's that bone to bone that's where compression is so uh, compression can actually be a good thing if it is done with a full awareness so if you don't force it so compression is not bad it doesn't mean you should never extend uh, your knee joint or your elbow joint or you should never uh, feel it in your hip socket
1: now when when you talk about that real quick does that like the Bikram saying lock your knees is that compression
2: yes that can cause compression and kettlebell
1: swings exactly. you lock your knees on the thing so that yes. that's a compression that is good
2: exactly it is good if it is done with awareness and uh and uh, when there is um when it's load-bearing then you have to be more aware and you have to have developed the proper strength
1: proper technique too. and the
2: proper technique and use the proper form that's where form is highly highly important when it's load-bearing uh, when it's not load-bearing then you don't have to worry as much but still you don't want to be forcing it that's why in order to be on the safe side no matter what you have to have the proper strength and the proper technique then you are safe but where i'm going with this is that compression mild compression uh, helps your uh, bones your bone tissue Grow because our bones can actually become stronger. Our bones are not dead, so proper compression can be really beneficial.
1: And when you say that they're not dead, it uh, when you're talking about bones, that's why it takes longer for them to heal, right? Because there's less blood less blood load.
2: to them. Yes, but they can still uh, repair themselves, and that's where the proper uh, nutrition comes in if you provide the right nutrients for your bone tissue uh, then you can help them become stronger as you age and that's that is really fascinating that if you if we really watch our nutrition we can help our bones become stronger and that's major because Mm. also they store all our minerals and stuff and
1: we've done some youtubes on uh, proper nutrition for
2: yes but we can do a lot more because we can talk about the seven dadas of ayurveda and all that
1: seven dadas i I always Mm -hmm. remember them as the seven dwarfs with snow white
2: right (laughs) yes but we digress so the third aspect when it comes to a pose that you have to pay attention to other than tension and compression is the proportion
1: okay and what do you mean by proportion
2: Uh, the proportion of our arms with respect to our torso or the proportion of our legs with respect to our torso Uh, let's put it this way an example is the the seated uh, twist in yoga Mm -hmm. you sit on your butt and you twist your uh, upper body your shoulder girdle with respect to your hip girdle right okay. and in the yoga journal pictures they show that when you twist you hook your elbow uh, onto your uh, thigh uh-huh. around the knee area so you bend your arm and you hook your elbow Onto your knee, and it's like you can wave and yeah. say hi.
1: And uh, I can do that. In fact, Yoga Journal had contacted me to make <laughs> several movies of that pose with me
2: in it. <laughs> picture perfect. Uh-huh. So I can't do that.
1: That's why they never contacted me. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so I have when I twist, I have to keep my arm straight, in and uh, and hook like the lower part of my arm into my thigh or my knee, so I can't bend my elbow, so I can't wave and say hi.
1: Well, you can't Doing do the that, queen wave. No. Yes.
2: So that's a matter of proportion.
1: Now, I remember also, in this, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know I'm not, uh, is that when I was climbing about 20 years ago, uh, we used to measure each other's arms, not all the time, but that was one of the things that the gym at the gym uh, vertical ventures yes when Phil owned it uh-huh. uh, they would measure the arms to see the the length of your arms versus your torso and the longer your arms were versus your torso made you a better climber on certain routes so we used to design routes to make it harder for the arm length versus the
2: exactly. arm shortened. Exactly. So where a shorter person like me would have to have a lot stronger core and uh, legs and better technique. You mm-hmm. uh, know, because I couldn't rely on just grabbing right yep. there. Yep.
1: So like I remember uh, Tim, who was one of the guys that used to climb there all the time. His arms literally mm-hmm. could drag on the yep. ground, his knuckles, when he walked. He had exactly. such long arms. And he was a great climber. Yeah. But also he had very long arms so he could do it would take him four uh, movements to make it up the route where it would take me like seven movements and it would take you 25 movements
2: yeah but they would be so much more graceful (laughs) (laughs) so that's the idea exactly so and that's for a lot of poses Uh, it comes in in uh, yoga the that proportion uh so to uh, uh, When we talked about the contortionistic approach to yin yoga, uh, uh, it has to do with the shape of the bones and it has to do a lot with the proportion.
1: And that does with bindings. Exactly. Binding.
2: Binding. Exactly. Binding. That's huge to be forcing someone to bind, to bind their arms under their legs or bind their legs over their arms or whatever. And that's
1: that's what binding means. Exactly. To really get into almost like a locking position with your hands going into a pose, a specific pose.
2: Exactly. So uh, to force someone to do that has very little to do with core strength. A lot of times it may have nothing to do with the core strength and it all has to do with the proportion.
1: And I know that uh, in the day, back in the day, (laughs) uh, there would be teachers that would teach special uh, weekend seminars on how to bind. Yes. And their arms were like 40 feet longer than everybody else's arms so they could bind even before they even started practicing poses. So then they would teach and force people. And a lot of people got hurt trying to bind because they didn't have that. They had to work on other things where the, the teachers, the instructors could bind no matter what.
2: Yep. And, um, and that's where the whole thing is. Now, are binding poses bad? It depends on the purpose. If it's going to make you lots of money with a great picture then they are great Uh (laughs) but but or he can buy you a drink at a bar right
1: and and maybe get you into some some clubs
2: yes but uh, when you are teaching and when you are practicing yourself also you have to always know why you want to do that pose what is the purpose of that pose What's the long-term goal? What's the short-term goal? And what's the long-term goal? Mm
1: -hmm. Now, is there, and I know I'm throwing this into you pretty quickly, is there actually any benefits for binding poses?
2: Who knows? Uh, Everything is grey. That's where the whole purpose comes. Uh, My old, immature self would say, heck no. But, as a mature adult,
1: <laughs> so you just had your birthday, huh exactly, yeah.
2: as a mature adult i i can i wanna say, tell me why, who's doing it when, where, for what purpose, and I can tell you if there is benefit to it or not, because, yeah, we made fun of uh, uh buy you know pay you for a picture or buy mm-hmm. you a drink. But if that's where your short term goal, right then and there, say you are trying to impress somebody, yeah, a binding pose can be way better for the moment than a hundred push-ups, say. Depends who you are trying to impress. So anyway, everything is gray. I like that. I, Ayurveda actually takes care of a lot of things for me. Everything is gray. It depends.
1: So, we're going to go into a gray area of taking a break.
2: Stay tuned.
0: Do you like what you hear? The Spartan Mind Strength podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and all other popular podcast destinations. Please subscribe today and consider leaving us a rating and review. It helps us spread the word and help others find our content. Don't forget to leave a comment and any questions you may have. Tim and V would love to hear from you.
1: And we're back again, which gave you enough time to subscribe and to share to everyone you know and everybody you don't know. So we're talking about yin mainly right now. And yin is, in today's world, teaching group classes overall is very new in yes. yoga. Yep. Uh If you go back in less than 100 years ago even, yeah. uh, they were teaching basically one-on-one, Yep. one-on-two, and even if you go to, uh, like, Iyengar yoga, it might be in a gym-type setting uh, in India, but they're still doing their own thing uh, because they, they have an instructor walking around and watching, but yet... They're, they're all doing their own practice. exactly, And that's where the yes. whole concept of Mysore kicked in yes. too, was their own practice, even though there was a group of people, yeah. it still was all one-on-one type things.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: And now we're teaching yoga as a whole group. Yes. And we really need to start looking at, because us as people from the United States really are leading this whole concept of group training yeah. for yoga. So we're actually the pioneers of it. Yes. And I know some people will say, no, you're not, but I don't care. Uh, So we're basically the pioneers of teaching group classes Mm -hmm. for yoga. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, what, 1970s, 60s was mainly the big shift to group classes. And actually it might not even, because I remember uh, when I started practicing like in 81 uh, at a YMCA in Sarasota, we did group class but really it wasn't a group setting it was a mm-hmm. Uh and it wasn't really a actual class like everybody teaches today so how do you take a yin that's actually designed or a restorative that's actually designed for one-on-one and turn it into a group setting so you can teach 25 30 and actually at our old studio 37 yeah. <laughs> people. Uh, yeah.
2: So that's where the concept of the of the archetype of the pose comes in and the purpose of the pose. So when you when you're talking about a group class, you can't know everyone's individual needs. Yes. Because or issues. Or, or issues. Exactly. So you want to choose poses that have every pose has a risk of injury no matter what everything has a risk of injury so you want and
1: actually i'll just throw this out here to take mm-hmm. a little off of the side isn't uh shavasana yes one so, of the highest yes. injuries
2: yeah because of low back issues yeah. um so every pose has a risk of injury so having said that you want to choose poses that have relatively low uh, low risk of injury and higher benefits. So the return on investment is is better. Mm -hmm. Those poses are poses that target strength and mobility. You choose those poses and then when you describe the, you don't necessarily show, and we'll, uh, we've already talked about that before. I know, but I um, want
1: to talk about yeah. it one more time real quick. Uh, if you show it, people will try to imitate you exactly. exactly. And if you're really good in it...
2: And if you can bind and yep, do then stuff. Then
1: everybody wants to try it. I remember, yeah. I'm going to go back to a story. You okay. know I got to.
2: Diversion. I got I, mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I to stop. <laughs> Let's stop and regroup and talk <laughs> about this. Uh, eagle pose. I remember... Back in the day, I would practice uh, Bikram class, and I'd be in class, and all the other guys would see me be able to do eagle pose. Now, I've been practicing for 20 years at that time. I can do eagle pose. Uh, And and you
2: have strong core, which means you can balance. Okay, move on.
1: So so I was doing it, and other people would force themselves, Mm -hmm. and you could see the guys Mm -hmm. just sweating and almost injuring themselves and probably are injuring themselves trying to compete with my eagle pose because they would stare at me while i was doing it because i was the owner of the studio and they thought that they could do the exact same thing it was like almost like a competition and is that that's where and you had with mirrors then, yeah too. Yep. Sh- yep and we'll get a whole that's yeah. we need to do one on mirrors yeah. too should you mirror or not mirror but anyways it, that's what you're talking about yes is
2: exactly so you don't so when it, you describe the pose to your students You give the archetype and even if you show it, say you have students who can't uh, hear for some reason, all that stuff, or don't speak the language, you jump into it real quick in its most basic form and then you tell them what to feel where so you choose the poses wisely poses that are focused on strength and mobility with less risk of injury should something bad happen how bad could it be then you give the archetype you describe it and you encourage them to feel what to feel where and if you focus on that feeling to be about the muscles engaging, squeeze your butt. Grab your butt to make sure it's squeezing. F- Do-
1: Just don't grab everybody <laughs> else's butt. Yes.
2: Uh, feel your thighs. Uh, tighten your
1: belly.
2: Can you feel somebody else's thighs? <laughs> no. <laughs> tighten your belly. Uh, feel the area below the belly button that we forget, the low belly, major. Uh, feel your back. Uh, drop your shoulders. There is that commercial that makes me laugh the pe- Peloton.
1: Drop oh, yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Whatever, relax your shoulders, John, whatever it says. So, but feel your muscles contracting. Uh, don't op- abuse your joints. So, whatever you do, the discomfort should be on your muscles not on your joints Mm -hmm. that that's and that's where you go and then and then as you observe your students because you are not doing your own practice on stage you are not a performer as you observe your students and pay attention to what they are doing you can give the cues accordingly and also start giving options in the plank pose Drop your knees when you need to. So you give options so that everybody can get some benefit while in class. And then they can leave having succeeded.
1: Now I want to go, is there anything else that uh, you think they need to know about yin? yes what
2: that that as you look <laughs> at your students <laughs> you thought I was done uh-huh. like <laughs> <Psych. laughs> as you look at your students you are gonna see that everybody in in a yin pose in particular everybody looks different because everyone's body is different no two people are looking the same in the pose, and even if they look remotely similar, why are you laughing?
1: Because I know exactly what you're saying. You say it in every teacher training you do.
2: Even even if they look remotely... And
1: you actually even say it the exact same way, so I could actually even say this, but I'm not going to.
2: No two people should look the same in a pose, and even if they do look remotely similar, they are not feeling it the same way. Really, yes, they are not feeling it the same way, and that's it. That is very important for the teacher to keep in mind, and actually for the student, so they don't look at somebody else who has completely different body and different life circumstances and think oh wow they look so good why don't i look the same let's force it that's not You must have a better guru (laughs) so so that's that's the idea everyone is different and everyone should pay attention to what they feel where I don't like, I despise the term feeling because feeling brings emotions and all that stuff. And it, makes it, it makes it all personal. Oh, I feel this is unfair. Oh I, oh, I feel you are doing this to me.
1: I feel that you're but, rambling.
2: But when it comes to our own body, to what we feel right here, right now, that's what we've lost. So that's the feeling we should be looking for. How do your muscles feel like? How do your bones feel like? And eventually, as you practice more and more, you'll be able to feel your fascia, your connective tissue. And That's the feeling that matters. Everything else is way overrated.
1: I feel happy.
2: <laughs> I'm happy for you.
1: So, anything else about yin?
2: Uh, Yes, (laughs) but uh, we can uh, take a break.
1: Okay, we'll take a break, and actually we're going to talk more about restorative in the last episode.
2: Of the grand finale. Stay tuned. And we're back. Yet again. (laughs) Yet again.
1: And we're doing the extended version of yin and restorative yoga. Tell me about restorative, please.
2: Oh, restorative yoga. Well, we we already talked in uh, the previous uh, three episodes also about uh, the very few similarities between the two, and then the many differences. But the most Important point since we are talking about the purpose, the purpose and the archetype. Mm-hmm. We just mentioned that is why are you practicing restorative yoga? And if you think about it, restorative yoga is designed based on restoring, right? Restoring. It's all in the name. It's all in the name, right? You want to restore. You want to restore what? You want to restore the balance in the body. You want to restore the homeostasis. You want to restore the health that was already there at some point, right? Yes. But the homeostasis or the balance of the particular body mind etc is is not always the optimum right you are not growing like if the body if uh, someone is weak right they have weak muscles they don't move enough they don't work out at all they don't lift anything they're perfect the way they are they are perfect the way they are you are restoring whatever crap is already there you are not growing anything, you are not uh, helping them develop any more strength, any more mobility, any more resilience, they are not becoming any healthier, they were weak, Uh, they feel they are uh, too tight now, or, or they sprained their ankle, so they are deciding to go to a yoga studio and do restorative yoga. Well, the weakness that they already had that caused them to break their ankle is, is, that's it. It's still going to be there. The situation is not going to be any better than before they broke their ankle. Whereas if they do something to develop the strength of the muscles, so it will take a lot more for them to break their ankle next time, then that's helping them.
1: So restorative restores them Did to where they I were. About, yes, <laughs> and yin helps them to become better than exactly, they
2: were. exactly the proper yin or the proper hot yin or the proper power yin. Yes.
1: Okay. So you have to have the heat. Yes. You have to have the pressure over time. Yes. You have to have the, which we talked about a little bit, but I want to say it again because this is the most important part, and I want you to go into this before we finish it, yep. is the reboot.
2: Yes, at the end. Uh,
1: uh, and if you don't do those things, it's not proper in.
2: Exactly. It's
1: improper in, yes. and it will actually, it can hurt people. Yes. Now, can you do the reboot with uh, restorative?
2: So so let's go back to when, so ideally, when would you want to practice restorative in the proper way, one-on-one with clean props and all that yeah, stuff? especially
1: today's uh, yeah. world now.
2: So you would want to practice restorative if you are already putting your body under a lot of a physical intensity. And then you need to really fix something quickly then you want to practice restorative now you talked about the fascia reboot right the the point of the fascia reboot is think of the fascia like a wet suit inside every part of your body right surrounding that crystalline thing the fourth Mm -hmm. phase of water right and it has the blocks And when things become too tight, and then you break them with a yin, and you want to reintegrate that fluidity over everything. In restorative, it is actually, you want to do the fascia reboot squats at the end of the practice, because you are still, what you are doing with restorative is you are still targeting your fascia, even though people don't know about it, uh-huh. so at the end of a restorative class, you still want that movement to reintegrate that fluidity.
1: Now, if they're working on an injury and mm-hmm. they're doing the restorative, and say the injury stops them from doing the fascia reboot, reboot squat, squat, yeah, there are how many other types of fascia reboots that are easier and/or harder.
2: So. Uh, the bird dog the bird dog counts as a great uh, um, fascia reboot pose at the end and uh, there are also the crescent lunges with the arms up which if they can't do the fascia reboot squats, they may not be able to do the crescent the crescent lunges, but they can do the bird dog mm-hmm. and they can even do a very basic cat cow. And they can do like half a bird dog. No. with just are moving. all fascia removers. Exactly. Do something that moves your body from the uh, fingertips to the toes. Good. That's Good. the idea.
1: Okay. Are you happy with this or do we need to talk about anything
2: else? I, I have more to say. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so the idea is that... When you do anything, uh, and yin and restorative were the perfect examples, is you want to make sure you do not impose the pose You've to the person. You've been that
1: one forever. You know that. Uh-huh.
2: Do not impose the pose to the person. You, Your target is the person. Your target is not the pose. I'm done. Are you done? I'm done. (laughs) Okay.
1: I just want to end it by saying thank you to everybody that listens. Uh, We are actually now in 19 countries. 19
2: countries. And that's all due to to you.
1: (laughs) So so thank you all very much. And we'll be back with a new series in two
2: weeks. In two weeks. And uh, since this is the grand finale, and to say many, many thank you to all of you, In the notes section, we are going to put the link to a teacher training video uh, that uh, explains to you what we were talking about when we were mentioning the proportion and the seated spinal twist.
1: Excellent. And if you want to learn more, again, uh, go to Yoga Energy.
2: YogaEnergy.com and find the learn and uh, find the online classes. It's very easy. And
1: we have two different Power Yin courses online.
2: Yes. Until next time, may we all be well, adapt, and thrive. Namaste kala.
0: If you found today's show helpful, please give us a rating, a review, or both. And subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. As always, namaste kala, which in Greek means, may we all be well this program copyright true fitness incorporated all rights reserved